0: Everyone, welcome back to the Class 1A podcast. But for this week, we're just going to call it the Bakugo podcast. And congratulations, you know what we're going to be talking about from episode nine of My Hero Academia season five. It was titled Early Bird, but it should just be called Bakugo's Spotlight because they decided, like, hey, we haven't shown Bakugo for more than like three minutes for a good season, probably a good hundred chapters in the manga. Let's just give him an entire episode where he is just peak Bakugo, but better and put it on air, and that's what this week was, and it's just kind of continuing the trend of heating up season five that a lot of people kind of thought was starting off to a slow start. This season is just going to get better from this episode on out, so I'm so happy with how this came out during the anime, but I want to get your perspectives. I have Dylan Beale and James Graham with me as always. I know Dylan's going to love this episode, but Dylan, nonetheless, what do you think?
1: So as a representative from the Bakugo fan community, um, every episode that he's in is kind of like we're we're very hungry dogs, just like getting the scraps. Right, you know, last episode it was uh, it was the smug Bakugo. He, there's some really good smug screenshots of him, and we were eating that up. It was great. And I could safely say this morning we were very satisfied with the wonderful episode that Bones uh, and the My Hero Team gave us a Bakugo. It was beautiful, and I think uh, the words of uh, of All Might ring true. It it was chills. Absolute chills.
2: James? Yeah, I can't uh couldn't have said it better myself. Like, I mean it like it really was the Bakugo show. And like I think for a character that is so like essential to the story, but it like gets such little screen time, every time he does is just it's just a masterpiece every time they go into it. So and this sh- this episode was no different. I was really hoping for a two-part episode. But going into this, I like, of course, because we all read the manga, we knew what, what was going to happen. I'm like, there's only getting one episode of this shit. But, and of course, that's all we did, right? So.
0: But it was good. It was pacing there. I mean, there could have always been more, but I thought that was all really well. But before I jump into the recap, which is going to be hopefully as quick as the actual fight was, if you guys do enjoy this content or anything else My Hero related, make sure to go check out our YouTube at youtube.com slash class1a. If you're watching already on YouTube, make sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment, all that kind of stuff at All Means World, and turn on notification bells so whenever we put out the main manga videos, Vigilante manga videos, other random topics, shorts, all kinds of different things, you'll get notified for all that. Otherwise, you go to twitter.com slash class1apod to keep up to date with all of our My Hero content there as well. But with that, let us jump into the recap for episode nine titled Early Bird. The episode starts off with both teams running in. As the match begins, Class 1B shortly discusses about how Class 1A is pretty super balanced and that if they fight head-on, they're probably not going to win. It goes right back outside of the battle quickly to see more of Vlad's biased casting, Monma doing his normal thing, and All Might very excited, and pretty much everyone excited to see how this goes, knowing Bakugo's old attitude, let's say. Bakugo is rushing ahead, yelling at the rest of the group uh, to keep up, we see that Bakugo is kind of still his normal way with a dictator-like leadership style before the fight started telling them all what to do and to follow him, calling them by the wrong name, such as Jiro just calling her ears and things such as that. Plus, he gives a bunch of high schoolers a grenade, but we'll ignore that for now. Um, Jiro is unable to locate the enemy due to all of Lizardy's body parts making noise, and Class 1B seems to be getting a jump onto Class 1A as pipes start falling down from their surprise attack, Bakugo blasts him away and then saves Jiro in his own way by just kicking her out of the way and then blasting back Jack Mantis. We kind of get a quick conversation here between class and a couple of flashbacks that we see Bakugo's mentality has changed and that no longer is a victory just beating the villains, but now he wants to complete victory in every way, which in this situation, it means no casualties, 4-0 win, complete and domination victory. And he kind of even has this little saying here that is kind of spread out throughout the episode, but pretty much it goes, if you're in trouble, I'll save you. If I'm in trouble, you save me, which is pretty much Bakugou's form of cooperation. From here on out, the rest of the fight is pretty much land side. There's a couple of really cool moments in that that I won't do justice by explaining. So go back and rewatch it because this episode's a great one to rewatch. But all of Class 1A has great teamwork with Fokko in the lead, giving the rest of the class opportunities to capture their opponents and beat them for the absolute 4-0 win in less than five minutes. The quickest fight so far and the most dominant win for Class 1A. After the fight, we do see the debrief session with uh, both classes kind of getting a little bit of feedback. Monma kind of having a freak out, not being able to believe what's going on. But then everything kind of starts to shift over towards the fifth and final fight, which will feature Deku the Shinzo. There's kind of a little bit of planning going on, talking about team comps and um, quirks and how they're all going to go against each other. But nonetheless, it just begins to start talking about the strategy and teases the fight for the beginning of next week. So, like I said, I mean, there's a couple of things we can talk about. And I guess I'll lead off with the first question. Out of all the fights so far, one, two, three, and four, where does this fight
2: fall on the rankings? Hmm. You know what? I put this at number two. I think the the Todoroki tatsu tatsu fight is number one. This one goes right to number two. Despite the fact that it was one-sided, I think it's just how decisive it is. It's not one-sided as in like they're just like better cooperating and stuff like that. It's so it's such a quick and decisive victory by basically Bakugo and co that it, you can't help but appreciate it.
1: I think objectively, I think that's, that's probably the case. Um, but I love Bakugo. I got to put it number one. You like number one. Yeah, this, this is a fan service episode. Absolutely. A hundred percent. It is, um, just, we can see Bakugo being cool. And so I, I got to put it at number one.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I can put it at either spot. I mean, from like a viewing aspect, I feel like I laughed more and I enjoyed this episode as a whole more because every single time Bakugo made one of his little quips, it was hilarious. I laughed out loud every single time. But I think from like an actual fight aspect, match three was better with Ida and uh, Todoroki and all of them. So I'll just put it at one out of 1.5, like one to two, let's put it on the range, like wherever you want to put it. I think you're not wrong because both of these fights have been so great. And I guess I just... The number of funny moments in this one that I feel like some other episodes have been missing from the season was kind of leaning into Bakugo's kind of his communication style, let's say, is when Jiro thanks him for saving him. He yells back, shut up. Or when he's walking out after the fight and Deku's five feet off to the right and Young, stay out of my way. And he's like, I'm not even in front of you. Like those little moments that are just the per, uh, character's personality feels like they were missing in other episodes of the season. We saw it in match three, but like match one and two, that some people were kind of complaining weren't as fun to watch. I think that's what they were missing, and they gave it to us in this episode with Bakugo, which makes me wish we
2: had it in earlier fights even more. I think it's fair. I think I, but I think it also has to do with like the character makeup of each team. Like think, think about team one, especially for class one A. Like I mean, you have Sue, who's like pretty, you know, like pretty like not jokey. I mean, you have Coda. I mean, you have Denki, who's like a total goofball, but I mean, like his comedy gets old after a while. So I think it really depends on like the character dynamics in each team. But like this, I, I don't know, man. Like this is just like it's crazy how well like you had a comedic relief episode, but it was also the most decisive victory in the entire in the entire like little arc, right? It's it's like I don't know, maybe that just speaks to how great of a, bo- a character Bakugo is. Yeah, no, and
0: I, no, I completely agree, and I mean, there's just. Not even too much I can go on about talking about Bakugo's character. We'll talk about his growth in a minute. But before we get into that, Dylan, you're kind of our resident quirk expert. And we did get a couple of new quirks today. You want to walk us through quickly of who these people are and what their quirks?
1: Absolutely. So we have Awase, also known as Welder, whose quirk is Weld, who puts things together at a molecular level. Uh, so to like, understand what this is, like whenever he... like. Put Bakugo like uh, like in those pillars on the wall. You notice there was like blood coming out of them because it's like literally fused with his body. And even when he broke out, he didn't pull them out or anything. Like they were still on him. He just like broke the tips of them off. Uh, we have Bondo, also known as Plamo, and his ability is Cementine. Uh, and Plamo is actually short for Plastic Model. Um, it's oh. a it's a pretty big thing in uh in Japan. Uh, you also might know uh, like the spinoff of it, Gumpla is gundam plastic models yeah Um, and he's basically so the glue that they use to like put pieces together is called like cement it's like cement glue uh because it essentially like melts the two plastic pieces together and then it dries and then the two plastic pieces are like literally cemented together i don't know if that's how bondo's like quirk works i think it's just glue um but just some extra knowledge for you guys and then we have uh Togage, also known as Lizardly, Lizardy, uh, whose Lizard Tail Splitter Quirk lets her split into up to 50 different pieces of, of her body. Um, she can control each of these pieces, and I think she can regenerate them as well. She can, like, yes. bring them back. And they walk through that, kind back. of the,
0: kind of gets like a thing like Momo, that it's only a certain amount that she can kind of do, but she can't regenerate them over time.
1: Mm-hmm. And then we got uh, Kamakiri, also known as Jack Mantis, the coolest hero name I think, and his ability is razor sharp. I think Jack Mantis is cool. I don't know why. It just it like sounds like a cool hero name.
0: It's a much better version of like the one guy that Kaminari fought, I'm mean, not uh, Kirishima fought um with like the blade stick on. Jack Mantis is just a better version of that, but he also looks like a mantis, so <laughs> I do agree that he I I do think it's a cool quirk and he's just another overly edgy character, like I was every say. Everything he says is a cutting or ripping reference, and I do enjoy that. Like I enjoyed that much more than Vine's kind of gimmick. I enjoyed Jack Mantis's so much more, and all the little puns.
1: So, out yeah. of all these people, who do you think is your favorite? Because I think my favorite here um, is probably, probably like Tagage, just because I really like that quirk. I think it's sick. I like. Yeah. I don't know. It it seems very unique. It's like one of those like. It's like one of those quirks that like Horikoshi wrote, and he was probably like, "Oh yeah, this is this is a banger. Yeah, <laughs> this is a good one. Yeah." <laughs> uh
2: mine, uh, mine's one hundred percent of I've mentioned him before. Uh, I think weld is such a cool, a cool idea. Um, and I think he, like, he seemed like, like, he used the quirk pretty effectively. I mean, he was the only one to really subdue Bakugo in any capacity whatsoever. So I think it kind of speaks to his quirk and like i mean it is pretty gruesome like you kind of said like the spikes were more or less sticking out of bakugo not so much like they were detached or anything like that like he fuses things at a molecular level right so i think there's a lot that can like there's a lot of fun stuff you can do with that so i think awase definitely takes the cake for me can he unfuse things i didn't say explicitly (laughs) But like you would think, if he could like, it says he has to touch like basically both things he wants to fuse. So I'm assuming it maybe it's like uh, Ochako, where she, like once she un- like, once she touches something again, it like loses its properties. Maybe it's the same deal. Because that would have cost some, some.
0: Yeah, that would have yeah. cost some really bad things. Like growing up when he was developing his quirk. like the oh, thing, like, if imagine. he could just
2: never undo, him, that'd be so bad. Yeah, he'd be looking like the the dude from fucking Akira, man. Like like just this metal mess, right? Like. Uh, yeah, no, I'm assuming so because you actually see Bakugo like walking away and he doesn't have like the, the pipes in his back that anymore. So I'm assuming he uh, either, I don't like, and he didn't, it didn't show him getting them removed. So I'm going to assume that was, can release them himself.
0: Yeah. Maybe when he was knocked out or something, cause did he have them? We probably didn't even get a chance to see, like, did he have them when he blasts lizardly out of the sky yeah. still?
2: Yeah. He did. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay, the, the entire, yeah. The entire rest of the fight, the, like the four kind of like welds that, uh, Awase did were still there. So. I knew um, they were there for bad enough there for the whole time.
1: but yeah, Maybe yeah. it's not a release, but more of like a, he has to touch him and like, unweld it. Maybe yeah. there's oh, like, yeah, some... Yeah. Yeah. I probably you, would
0: pick Owase too. I think Lizardy is very cool. I think both their quirks are very cool and unique. And I think I like Lizardy's quirk better, but I kind of agree. Awasa I was kind of saying even before he did the podcast, he just seems like a chill dude. Like, he's kind of been talking, interacting with Class one A throughout kind of this whole arc, and he just seems like one of the more personal kind of people of Class 1B, so I'm digging his personality, but I think both of them are cool. Glue Man is of little interest to in me. He's just kind of a scared... He reminds me a bit of Mineta in terms of his, like, scared personality, and Jack Reaper... I mean, Jack Mantis or whatever is just an edgy character to be edgy, so I, I don't got any beef with them. But... That's fair. I think we talked about a couple of other characters. The characters we all want to talk about Bakugo. I mean, that's what I kind of started off the episode with. That's all we want to talk about. I think there's two things we want to talk about. Bakugo's leadership style and his growth. I think we talked a little bit about his growth first. And then I have a question about his leadership style. So Dylan, you're the resonant. Tell us about your growth and where you're feeling with Bakugo right now.
1: So I think in terms of like writing a story, you need to do two things. is You need to set the character up for growth and then you got to show it. And last season towards the end where he had that interaction with all the kids... And they were kind of like talking about quirks and like what, what, what does it mean to be here hero and whatnot. That was really like the, the setup for growth because we saw like Bakugou talking through that and actually putting these sentiments out there. They just needed to actually show it, right? Because you can't just have Bakugo talk about like how he's like kind of growing and like hint at it and whatnot. And so they had that. And of course they had the actual payoff, which is this episode to show us like, oh yeah, he's like kind of a new character. Like his his core identity is still there. It's not changed at all. It's just like the way that he approaches things is a little bit different now. And I think this was a really good episode to show it just because, I mean, I mean, it's the time, right? I mean, you, you have him like first and foremost, like it, it subverts the expectation that he's just going to go out there, charge, try to blow everyone up on his own, right? He still goes out there, charges, blows everyone up, but like he does it with his, his team in mind. And like he has their back, uh, they have his back. And I don't know, I like it. I think I think it makes sense for the character.
2: Yeah, I, I, think, I go on, James. Oh, I was just gonna say I think it's really interesting how Bakugo views his own growth too, because he doesn't view it as actually like personal development. He views it as reaching his goal faster. Like all this, all this, all these big hurdles that he's overcoming as like a person, he's not viewing it as like, oh, I need this to be, you know, be a better hero, you know, or I need this because some people are starting to resent me because of how I'm acting. He's, he views it as becoming the next All Might. And that's, like, that's the only thing in mind, which, again, I think, again, it stays true to his character, but it also shows that he knows he needs to adjust and do things differently, which I think is, like, again, so so
1: well executed. Yeah, he's really, like, utilitarian about, like, his outlook of things on he's going to cooperate with people if it is going to have a better outcome. Like, he, yeah. he, he's willing to, like, make those kind of compromises and change things up.
0: Yeah. And I think something that, I, as I was said in the post-briefing, was kind of another big moment that I kind of realized for Bakugo. He said, with minimal destruction. Like, that is not something you've ever really kind of heard or seen Bakugo kind of take into account. And that we don't even notice it during the fight. But when Isaiah pointed out, like, yeah, Bakugo didn't really destroy anything except the people he was after, really. I mean, he kept everything down only to save people or to go on the offensive and stop something. And with every other fight we've seen, even going back to his very first one, when he destroyed half the building they were training in the uh, school festival when they he destroyed pretty much the entire stage in multiple fights like that is a big growth for him that isn't as a parent but when you're looking at him as a hero and moving forward you can't go destroy everything every time you get into a fight and that was something that he just subconsciously does now with this new kind of mind shift and growth I agree with everything both of you said so I just kind of wanted to add in another point of growth that other people might not have noticed that is a really big thing for Bakugo to be a really good hero
1: yeah, and I, I think one of the things that really does it is he's keeping to the air now with his yeah. abilities. Like mm-hmm. if, if you notice, he does not—he's not really like moving along the ground doing attacks anymore. He's like trying to keep everything up, and I think that's probably why is because if you're gonna make a big explosion in the air, you're probably not gonna hit too many things except you know whatever you bring up there. Yeah, yeah, but I—I I think the big thing we need to talk about,
0: and the one thing I still have a little bit of issue with, is Bakugo's leadership style. Like, it worked in this fight. Don't get it wrong. It was complete and absolute victory. But this man is one day going to be one of the top three heroes in all of Japan. And is going to have his own agency. This leadership style will not (laughs) work in an agency setting. I'd be curious if you guys think it can. But Bakugo is basically saying, you all are below me no matter what you think. And I will save you if you need saving. And you will try to save me if I need it. Just trust me and you won't die is pretty much what Bakugou's leadership style is. I don't know if that'll work in terms of leadership, so he still has a ways to go on that.
1: Do you guys I mean, agree? Disagree? I. It's basically Hawks. I mean, if you think about it, the way that Hawks runs his agency, it's basically the same thing of where you have someone who's just so strong and constantly going that no one can really keep up with him, and I think that's kind of what you have to do if you're like a hero at that level. I think it makes sense for him because if he was, like, kind of slow to move and he was, like, really strategic in his planning, he'd, he wouldn't have the same impact, right? Like, Baku is all about, like, you know, literally blasting in as quick as possible and just trying to do as much damage. And even with his quirk on, like, its area of effect, it is really hard to, like, cooperate at that level on having, like, people really go into the fight with you because you're just exploding things, right? You can't have anyone up close and personal with you.
2: I almost want to compare it more to, and this is this is, I guess, a reference for uh, any vigilantes readers because, like, as what we've mentioned before, we read vigilantes like weekly and talk about it. But Ingenium, before he becomes injured, I find that's almost more the like the you'd see the leadership style. Now, on on a communication basis, it's totally different, but the principle is still the same. Ingenium is. I'm fast as fuck, boy. Like he like in his entire agency works around making his quirk incredibly effective. Rooting people in so Ingenium can take them out and stuff like that. I see more of that of a dynamic wherein with Hawks, it's Hawks is so goddamn fast that everybody's doing cleanup. They're not supporting, yes. right? So That's I what think- I was about to
0: say I, I agree. A little bit more than I was even gonna go for another vigilante reference. I was gonna go more towards Endeavor. Where yeah. literally in one yeah. scene we just see like His team watering him down. Like, their job is to water Endeavor (laughs) down. So, like, and I I, I do agree that in some aspects it is like you have one incredibly power one and no one else is quite keeping it up, but it's still a little different. I think Endeavor might be the closest because if push comes to shove, I still think Hawks is going to go back and I I don't know. I mean, I take that back. Maybe New Bakugo would also say Hawks would go back and save his people.
2: But I guess we kind of saw here that Bakugo probably would too now. He will, yeah. You like it's, it's like established that he will because he understands that he needs a support system, right? And I think that's just it. I like, I mean, he just does it crashly, right? Like that's how Bakugo interacts. But it seems like, at least in the My Hero universe, that like having one very crash person. Isn't enough to throw off people because they're all there for the same goal. It's the same reason why Jiro and, um, and Seto and like everybody like that have no pro. Like, they, of course, they're irritated, but that's it, right? Like, they all understand they're there for that that same united goal. And I think in, once you see him in an agency capacity, it'll be the same thing.
0: Yeah. I guess it's coming around when there's kind of examples out there. It, it's just, it felt almost like he wants a cult under him. Is like, it, I think that would be Pocky Girl's. Can- like dream agency would just be a cult, like following, worship him as a god with this kind of leadership mentality. Which, I mean, if it works for him, it works for him. It just, it works. It, I, works. So I it works. I don't know.
2: I don't like th- think about the entire the entire show so far. We have seen we haven't seen a single character that looks up to Bakugo besides Deku to a degree, right? And he rejects that. He doesn't like that. But he so had his think-
0: lackeys in high school, and he doesn't like. Like, someone kind of feeling on the same level. Because when Jiro thanked him for saving him, he told her to shut up.
2: Like, he doesn't care about that kind of stuff. But I also don't think he cares about anybody who worships him either. Like, I don't think... Mm. Like, I, I don't... Like, I mean, he has Denki and Kirishima... Who I don't think he views as equals, but he definitely doesn't like. Nobody looks down on each other in that dynamic. His first or looks name was like
0: Lord, Lord Murder God or something,
2: wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, that's just yeah, but that's just him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think like the 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 title Lord has anything to do. With, i was talking like, more about God. <laughs> I think okay, God I mean, was in the name. To. Yeah, but like, I mean, like, I, I just think that's more towards him thinking he's untouchable. Not I'm like I'm better than you, but like don't also don't worship me. Like I I I feel like it is this really weird, like, perception of himself and, like, how others interact with him. I don't think he'll ever be happy
1: with how somebody interacts with him. Yeah, I think he's just way too focused on, like, him.
2: He's too focused on winning. Like, he's too he's too focused on winning. Alright. I'm
0: on board with all that. So, I guess the one thing that's kind of along the same way, and it's a really good transition here, is actually, they kept referencing, I think they said, like, three or four times in the episode, of winning by saving and saving by winning. So pretty much, if for anyone that doesn't exactly know what that means, winning by saving would mean that by defeating the enemies, you're going to save everyone. And saving by winning is if you save the people that you are there to protect, you then win regardless of the outcome of who you're fighting against. The three of them, we kind of saw that Bakugo changes mentality a little bit more to saving by winning, or he's like a 50-50 kind of split. Deku's all the way on to saving by winning kind of side. Where do you guys kind of end up on this? And do you think there is a balance between the two or do you always have to pick one or the other?
1: I, I think I'm going to pick the boring answer of like there has to be a balance because like I think you need the heroes that go in and only focus on the enemy and take them out. Like, because you need to eliminate the threat and that's like incredibly important because otherwise it's going to keep cascading. You're going to keep having like issues pop up. Um, but you also need like the rescue heroes to go in and not worry about the enemy. Just kind of focus on, you know, saving who's who's in trouble there. So I think like you need the balance and like you can have people solely focused on one of those. You just need like two of those different types of people showing up to the scene at the same time, which is, I think is, is, is why like the agencies are really good because you can have someone like Bakugo, you know, run the agency, kind of go out there and just try to, you know, defeat the villains. And you can also have like the rescue heroes that are like in his team as well.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean the statement's basically d- the duality of of Deku and Bakugo, right? Like they are like they're both the living embodiments of the statement, and I think it's so cool to see it like represented. You do you do need a balance, but I think that's why you have this rivalry, right? Like it's it's almost like perfectly represented in the two of them, right? Um, and I mean, you saw it in this episode, like saving by winning is how bakugo does things right like i mean he like that's just how he acts he you you know you take out everybody there's no one you need to worry about saving because there's no one there to like that you need to rescue them from right i like i personally like that a little better because it's just you're defeating the issue before the issue even uh, kind of arises but maybe that's i don't know maybe that's just me i just i just like how how bakugo runs things
0: no and i and i completely agree and actually i just realized my definitions are wrong so whatever I said earlier, just reverse that. And that's what it actually is. (laughs) But, um, I, I, I kind of agree that if I had to pick one, I do like the idea of saving by winning just a little bit more in this hero driven world. I think that's the difference between someone that'd be more of a combat hero and a rescue hero. But if you solve the core problem, no more damage can be done versus if you're winning by saving or Deku's kind of idea that, okay, if I just get everyone out of there, everything's fine. Well, no, the villain's still on the loose. Or if he gets away, and you have to go do this five more times, like, winning, uh, saving by winning feels like a more proactive kind of approach, while the other one seems like reactive, that you always are trying to
2: save the people when the villains attack, instead of beating the villain to stop future attacks. And I think, he's, again, it goes back to like how they approach, like even combat as well, right? Like you have somebody who's far more reactive, like, do- like Deku, who like analyzes the shit out of the situation and devises a plan because of that, and then Bakugo realizes, well, I just don't give them a chance to play and I end up winning anyways, right? And that's so. probably only for now
0: for Deku. I think once he's had yeah. uh, a little bit more of a closer to the All Might level, like he doesn't need to be as reactive. I mean, we've seen what All Might at peak can be and who knows if he'll ever be that level. But even if he's close to that level, there's not many times where it really seemed like All Might had to think about what he was doing. He just kind of had to punch and he won. So. I
2: like, like that.
0: Yeah, it, it all works, but I think that's about all we had to actually talk through the episode, which means we're going to go over to probably one of the easiest Plus Ultra Awards ever. For those of you that do not know, the Plus Ultra Award is an award that we get for each and every episode of all the seasons and a couple other episodes where the, each of the hosts decide on one character that went beyond that win Plus Ultra, and then throughout the season, we'll add up all of the different winners and see who was the Plus Ultra winner of the season, Dylan, as the representative of the fan club, why don't you start off this <laughs> week's Plus Ultra?
1: It's very easy. It's Bakugo. It's a very easy Bakugo because, one, it was an episode all about him. We got really good fight from him. We got really good growth from him. And we got amazing jokes from him. Like, I, 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 I can't stress this enough. It was the, the best of every world possible. If you're a fan of Bakugo, there's there's nothing in this episode that you really didn't get from him. It was great. It was wonderful. I loved it. James? Yeah, man, uh, like, it's ba- It's Bakugo.
2: Same, re- like, essentially all the reasons Dylan's said. Plus, I mean, you got to see him, like, you got to see him fight in a, such a more precise manner, which I think is really, really cool to show, show growth of his combat style, too, right? This He's not just this massive destructive force anymore. Like, he's, like, pinpoint accuracy on top now, like, and you know, and was still with that destructive capability, right? So, yeah, yeah, 100% Bakugo. It's a clean sweep.
0: I mean, yeah, as I mean, we said this was the Bakugo podcast this week. I mean, he was by far the standard of the episode. and He is what made this episode so well and his growth and all that is all that adds up to make this one of my favorite. I'll say my favorite episode of the season so far. Wow. I, I think there's been some good moments, but I think overall as an episode, this is my favorite one so far. So
1: I think regardless, we're hitting like the peak like 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 last episode this one was all really incredible it's 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 only good from here it's only good from here the season's hitting the stride finally yeah i think from
0: here on out if you've kind of been like oh i'm losing interest in the season based on what we know and how these last couple episodes have been it is going to get better from here these first couple episodes we kind of expected to be a little slower but you're in for a treat from here on out let's just say that But with that, let us wrap up this week's episode of the Class 1A Podcast. We will be back here next Saturday covering everything that happens in Episode 10 of the anime. If you have any questions, comments, anything like that, make sure to send that into the YouTube, to the Twitter. You can send it to contact at poppedoff.com as well. Wherever you want to reach out to us, we will be there. Thank you all so much for listening, and see you all in class next Saturday.